Well, we are officially in the last month of 2020. Hold your applause, I know, right? It's an exciting time. Uh, in fact, it's an interesting time. Uh, I think this year obviously is different than any other year any of us have experienced in our lifetime. Uh, typically we say, I'm a dad of three kids. Typically we say as parents that the days are long but the years are short. Not in 2020. Uh, this has been a long year, amen? It's been a long, hard year for many of us, those who are watching online in different ways. It's been, a, it's been a weird year, but here's something I'm seeing this year that I see every year. It's the sayings, it's the post of looking forward to the new year. And we'll, we'll say things like, hey, I, I can't wait for December to be over. December can't end fast enough. I'm so ready to turn the page and get to the new year. Uh, sometimes I just see 2020, you suck, moving on. Right? You've seen these posts? Some of you have posted that. Come on, let's be honest, we're in church. And we see these things, and it's always hilarious to me because it shows that somehow, some way, we think the flip of a calendar, December 31st to January 1st, is going to alleviate pain. It's going to heal problems, right? And we just, psychologically, we just, something in us tells us that, that a new year is going to bring new hope. And, and for us in 2020 specifically, it's not just a new year or a new date. It's things like a vaccine. It's things like the economy. It's things like politics. Like at some point, they're going to figure out who won the election, right? And we look for those things to give us hope. And here's the problem with that. Looking for a date to give you hope, looking for the economy, looking for politics for sure to give you hope. All of those things are based in possibility, not promise. And so what happens is we, we search for hope, and all of us as humans, the human experience is all about we got to find hope. Is it under this rock? Is it in this crevice? Is it in the politics? Is it in the vaccine? We're looking for hope as humans. We, we crave hope, but we often look for hope in the wrong places. And really what this Advent season is about and the series Unexpected Hope is about is that we can have hope in the coming of Jesus. His first coming when he came as a baby, his second coming when he's coming back as a king. You see, we have to understand what hope truly is. Hope is not wishful thinking in the Bible. Hope is confident expectation. That hope is not uh, that famous line in Rogue One, the movie, rebellions are built on hope. That's a great line in a great movie. But what they were talking about, if you remember that scene, is, hey, maybe we can take on the empire. Hey, why not just give it a shot? Rebellions are built on hope. And they were thinking, maybe we have a shot. That's not biblical hope. Uh, hope is not being in a shopping mall. Anybody remember those? Being in an arcade, specifically in a shopping mall, and being the guy who's trying to, either for the girl or your kid, I feel like it's one of those, Get that stuffed animal with the giant claw and just donate all your money to that machine. Come on. And just hope maybe you'll get the stuffed animal. That's not hope. Those are all things based on possibility. We have a true hope in Advent with biblical hope. We have a hope in Jesus Christ and a promise, not in a possibility, that Peter, the apostle Peter, he says we have a living hope. That the object of our hope is not a circumstance that changes. It's the person of Jesus Christ who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he overcame everything, that he beat even death through the resurrection. He is alive, therefore we have a confident expectation, a hope that he will return. So I want you to have that hope. 
I want you at home to have that hope. We're all looking for hope. This is where we need to look. So we're going to talk about that over these next few weeks. And today we're going to talk about it through the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth from Luke chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, go to Luke chapter 1 at home. Uh, Go to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 5 through 25. I'm going to read a big portion of a story, and then we're going to break it down with just three questions. So Luke 1, starting in verse 5, we're going to get the big picture of the story and what's going on here. It says this, in the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from the mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now, just stopping briefly, pro tip husbands in the room, are you paying attention? Right? Zechariah says, I'm old, but my wife, she's advanced in years. Right? So just take that one home with you. That one's for free, husbands. You're old, your wife, she's advanced in years. That sounds better, right? Zechariah knows what he's doing. Okay. It says in verse 19, picking up in verse 19, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news, and you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled, oh, and behold, You will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. A lot going on in that story. Here's what we're going to do. Break it down into three questions if you take notes. The first question is, what are they waiting for? The second question, what did they do while they were waiting? The last question, what did God do through the waiting? So that's where we're headed. We're going to break this story down into those three questions. The first question, what are they waiting for? Well, we'll get to that. But first, I want you to see these people in this story that Luke introduces us to. The first person we see is Herod the Great. 
Herod the Great was a Jewish ruler for Rome who was commissioned by Mark Antony and the Roman Senate around 40 BC. That's who Herod is. Then we see Zechariah. Luke tells us he's a priest of the division of Abijah. The priest had categories, different crews that they ran with. And Zechariah, he's a priest, that's his vocation, and he runs with this division of Abijah. And then we see his wife, Elizabeth. She was a descendant of Aaron. That's Moses' older brother from the Old Testament. So we're getting historical setting, that's Herod. We're getting vocation, that's Zechariah. And then we get family lineage, that's Elizabeth. And we also get their age, right? They're both advanced in years. Zechariah's old, Elizabeth advanced in years, okay? Now, now why go through all that? Because Luke wants to show you that the gospel is rooted not in myth or fairy tale, not in possibility, but promise. That it's rooted, it's found in a historical setting. These are real people in a real time. And nowhere in here, look closely, and nowhere in here do you see once upon a time, do you? Luke is trying to show you this is substantial information. Luke wasn't an apostle, he was a doctor. He did his research. Most scholars believe he interviewed Mary and others, and he did his research. And Luke, we get the most detailed uh, account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Luke, right off the top, wants to show you we have a gospel, we have a hope that's rooted in history. So what are they waiting, waiting for? Well, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're waiting for a son. Right, we read that Elizabeth was barren. They don't have a kid. And so they're waiting for a son. But bigger than them and bigger than that, they're not just waiting for a son. They're waiting for God to speak. You see, Luke chapter 1 breaks about 400 years of silence from God. That we may just flip from Malachi to Matthew, and it's just a few pages in your physical copy of your Bible. But that was 400 years Silence. As far as we know, God's not raising up prophets. That Malachi was the last prophet before we get to Matthew. And we don't get anything from God. And so God's people, along with Zechariah and Elizabeth, God's people are, are waiting for God to speak. Specifically, they're waiting for the promise of Malachi chapter 3, the promise that said, hey, God's going to come to earth. And before he comes to earth and Jesus, I'm going to send a messenger to pave the way. We get that promise in Matthew, in Malachi, rather, chapter three. So people are waiting. Where's this messenger? And they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're waiting. So that's what they are waiting for. Here, here's the reality. We don't like to wait, right? That's why Netflix is killing it, right? That's why The Mandalorian is killing me, right? What is this one episode every Friday? I don't, I don't wanna wait to see what happens with Baby Yoda, I want to see it right now. I want to watch the whole season and the next season, and I want to binge seven seasons, right? That's what we do in our culture. We don't like to wait. Even when we're texting people, you know what the most annoying thing about texting is? Those little bubbles. Anybody with me? The little dot, dot, dot. Here's what's even more annoying is when you see the little bubbles, the little dot, 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 and then they disappear, and you're waiting, you're waiting for the text to come, and maybe it's about something serious, and you're not sure if you're in good terms with this person, and you're waiting on this response, and you see the bubbles, and then they disappear. And you're like, Did I, do I need to update my phone? Like, what's going on? And we don't like to wait. I remember when I was in college pursuing my wife. I didn't like to wait. We didn't have text messaging back then, so I had to call her and leave a message on what's called an answering machine. And I didn't like to wait. I didn't like to wait for the phone to ring. I didn't like to wait for her to call me back. And there was this one specific time where I was pursuing her, but I wasn't doing a great job of pursuing her, if I'm honest. 
And we were at a, an event like this at a church, and my best friend walked by my, my now wife, Jaya. He walked by her, and all Jaya said to him was, I'm done. And he knew what that meant, and when he shared it with me, I knew what that meant. She was tired of waiting for me to ask her out. So guys, pro tip, I know we got some college students, if you're thinking about asking a girl out, be direct and go ahead and do it. Amen, ladies? Don't wait. Be direct. Get the courage to ask her out. You don't just need courage on Fortnite to defeat all the enemies. You need courage in real life to say, will you go out on a date with me? Right? Don't wait. I waited too long, so much so that my now wife of 14 years said, I'm done. So guess what I did? We didn't have text messaging. I called her her landline, and I'm calling her over and over, and listen, I'm desperate because she says she's done, and so I'm spilling my heart out to her on her answering machine. <laughs> and I'm just like, baby, we gotta work this out. I love you. Like, I shouldn't be saying that right now on an answer machine, and we aren't even dating yet, but I love you. And I wanna date you, and I wanna pursue you, and I'm saying all these things on the answer machine, calling multiple times, and I'm waiting, and it was miserable, and guess what? My wife's not in this service, so I can't give her a hard time like I did in the first one. She was there. She was listening to the answering machine the whole time. It's like, come on. And she knew what I was going through, but she just waited. Now, ladies, don't do that either, all right? Cracked on the guys. You don't do that either. But she, she waited for like three days to call me back, right? Now, we worked it out. We've been married 14 years, amen? We worked it out, but there was some waiting, and there was some misery in that waiting. We don't like to wait. But as you look at the Bible, God seems perfectly fine with it. 400 years of waiting. Zechariah and Elizabeth advanced in years, waiting for a son. I think of Elijah, who Luke mentions here. He was waiting. He was praying for rain, there was a drought, he's praying for rain, and again, we just flip a couple pages in our Bible and we see, oh, and then there's rain, God answered his prayer. It was three years of waiting for Elijah. God seems okay with waiting. We are the ones who seem to have a problem with it. And so we have to see, what are we supposed to do in the waiting? What is God trying to show us in the waiting? He has a purpose. You need to know, a lot of us are waiting right now in 2020. We're waiting for the vaccine. We're waiting to not have to wear masks. We're waiting for the economy to go back up. We're waiting for school to be in person. I am. <laughs> for my kids. We're waiting, we're waiting. You have to see, there is a purpose, there is a plan in the waiting. We may not like waiting. God is okay with it because he's trying to do something in the waiting. So we have to pay attention, not just look for what's at the end of the waiting, but look for who are you becoming in the midst of the waiting, right? We have to look at that. And so that leads us to our next question is, what did they do while they were waiting? What was going on while Zachariah and Elizabeth were waiting? We see two things primarily. Verse six, we see that they were pursuing righteousness. They were obeying God's commands and statutes. They were following God, being faithful to God. Imagine that. Haven't heard from God for 400 years. The last prophet was Malachi, but they still trusted in God, obeyed God, followed after God, even in the waiting. Are you responding that way? Are you still saying, hey, God is true? 
Like we said in 1 John, he's a good father. And I don't know what he's trying to do in 2020. I don't know what he's trying to do in in this year of college that's gonna be different than any other year in my life. I don't know what he's trying to do, but God, I trust you. I know your character in nature. I may not understand my circumstances, but I know your character, and I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna walk in righteousness. This is what Zechariah and Elizabeth were doing in the midst of the waiting. They were also praying. We see later, God hears their prayer. Now, here's what starts to happen is we start to see this story pan out. They're walking in righteousness, in the waiting. They're praying in the waiting. We don't know how long. They're advanced in years. We see Zechariah praying in the temple in this moment, but they could have been praying for a long, long time, for a son, for God to show up. We don't know, but we know they were walking in righteousness and they were praying, and we start to see God show up. And the waiting starts to be over. And we see it through an angel. An angel shows up to Zechariah and it says, Zechariah is troubled and fear falls upon him. Which, side note, that's what always happens when an angel shows up. Do you notice that in the scriptures? Anytime an angel shows up, it's kind of like right here, the angel has to say, don't be afraid. Why? Because the person is afraid. Because an angel isn't a, a gentle, nice, sweet British lady like in Touched by an Angel. I'm dating myself a lot here today, aren't I? Answer Machines, Touched by an Angel, a 90s TV show, go look it up, watch it later. Angels aren't like that in the Bible. Angels are powerful messengers of God. So that shows up to Zacharias. He's troubled. The angel calls, calms him down. He says, don't be afraid. I have good news to share with you. And he starts to unpack this news. Verse 13, look at the verse. He says, you're gonna have a son. He's gonna bring joy Not just to you, but many people will rejoice at his coming. His name is gonna be John. That's John the Baptist, the one who would pave the way for Jesus. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. God names John, and he knows him even in the womb. And that's a whole nother sermon, right? That life begins in the womb, amen? You see, God knows John, and he names John, and John's not even alive yet. And we start to get this news unpacked, this this coming after the waiting. He says, your son will be great before the Lord. He won't take any drink. That means he'll be specifically consecrated to God and he'll give up that freedom. He will go before the Lord. He will do so in the spirit and power of Elijah. He quotes specifically the end of Malachi there where he references Elijah calling people to radical repentance. If you know anything about the life of John the Baptist, that's what he does. He calls people to radical repentance. And so After all this waiting, 400 years waiting for God to speak, after all these years, advanced in years, Zechariah and Elizabeth waiting for a son, it starts to get unpacked. Finally, the son is coming. Finally, God is speaking. And it's not just to us, it's through us. It's through John the Baptist who's gonna pave the way for the son of God. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, they receive this amazing news. The waiting is almost over, but notice they were already pursuing righteousness and prayer in the waiting. You see, here's what we don't get in this passage. We don't get the angel shows up after all this waiting. They're announced that they're gonna have a son. God shows up, breaks his 400 years of silence. We don't see, and then Zechariah and Elizabeth started to walk in righteousness. And then they were confident now that God did still exist. He was still a faithful father, and so they started praying to their faithful father. Now, what's the sequence? Verse six, they were walking in righteousness. They had been praying a 
a long time. And then God shows up. And then God ends the waiting. They didn't wait till they got the answer they wanted to start following God and pursuing him. See, here's the problem for a lot of us is the way we view waiting is sitting around. The way many of us view waiting is being in a doctor's office, sitting on your hands. Just waiting. Hopefully he'll come out one of these days. He'll call my name. And we see waiting like that. Waiting is different in scripture. Again, this Advent season, waiting is a confident expectation. Waiting isn't like waiting in a doctor's office. It's like running a race. And it's like I can see the finish line. I'm not there yet, but I'm gonna keep running. And I'm gonna keep my eyes fixed on that prize. That's waiting according to the Bible. As we wait, we do. As we wait, we work. Right? I think of the sequel to the book of Luke, the book of Acts, same author. Acts chapter one, Jesus says, hey, I'm about to go to heaven to be with my father. And they're like, okay, but Jesus, you're gonna come back, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna come back. And they're like, all right, tell us when. We don't wanna wait. And he's like, you don't need to know about that. Here's what you need to do. You will be my witnesses. What does he say? As you wait, get to work. And that's exactly what you see in Acts chapter one. The disciples, they start assembling their team. They start praying. They start getting to work in the waiting. That's what waiting, that's what hope looks like for the believer. So the question this morning is, not just how are they responding in the waiting, how are you? See, many of us, we are waiting. We're waiting for the vaccine. We're waiting for that girl to call you back. Come on, somebody, that's where you are today. It's okay. That's the biggest issue in your life right now. It's okay. Some of us are waiting for those things. Some of us are waiting for the economy to come back. Some of us are waiting to stop wearing masks. We just think, man, I, you know what? When we don't have to wear a mask, then I'll come to church. You know, when we, we get the vaccine, then I'll experience community with people. I mean, there was a time where I was following God, studying scripture, being accountable to other believers. There was a time, but you know, now it's, it's easier just to stay in my PJs and, you know, I'll get back into that. Like, when's the vaccine? Like, widely available? March, April, May, September? Who knows? Like, then, you know, then I'm going to jump back in. Not just into life, but in my relationship with God. And a lot of us think that. And what Luke is trying to show us, what Advent is showing us, is we don't wait looking, watching. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, no, stop looking up. Get to work. What are you doing? Are you wasting your waiting? Listen, because God wants to work in your waiting. Acts, uh, Isaiah rather, 64.4 says this, that God acts while we wait. God works while we wait. He's trying to shape you. He's trying to mold you. Are you following him? Are you praying to him? Are you working in the midst of your waiting? That's how he's gonna shape you. That's how he's gonna refine you. That's how, when you get to the end of that waiting, that it's all gonna be worth it, right? You see, you might look at Zechariah and Elizabeth and say, well, okay, Tim, well, they were following God. They were walking in righteousness, obeying all of God's statutes. They were praying. But Zechariah was a priest. I mean, he was a pastor. So everything was probably okay in his life. I mean, he's just more spiritual than I am. So, of course, he continued to follow God before he got the answers, before the waiting stopped. But you need to know, Zachariah and Elizabeth, as we look at their life, Elizabeth was barren. That in that culture, that was the ultimate shame. That in that culture, here's how it worked, that righteousness and blessed, they went together. That was the formula. And yet, Elizabeth is righteous and barren. 
And because of that, as a woman, she didn't have any value. You can't have kids, what's your value in that culture? Because of that, people thought, okay, righteousness and blessed is the formula. You're righteous and barren, okay, so you must not be righteous. What have you done, Elizabeth? And people would whisper behind her at the well and tell stories. I mean, just imagine, her husband's the pastor, and she doesn't have kids? They experienced ultimate shame, but even in the midst of the shame and the pain, they trusted God had a purpose. And through that pain, God brought purpose, and it was John the Baptist who paved the way, their son paved the way for the son of God. God wanted to show them, hey, don't wait till the end of this. Don't just wait for what's to come. Worry about who you're becoming. So when I give you this gift of John the Baptist, you'll appreciate it. You'll begin to declare that. So are you wasting your waiting? Are you doing while you're waiting? Are you seeing it as a finish line? Hey, God's going to do something. Vaccine, economy, all those things. I don't know how it's gonna work. I wish I did. But in that waiting, in that unknown, let's worship. Let's work. Let's not wait to get our relationship with God together or get my life right once we get a vaccine or once we can take the masks off. Let's work. God has purpose through your pain. He's gonna do something in the midst of the waiting right now. So what are you doing in the waiting? Our last question is what is God doing in the waiting? We see two things primarily. The first thing is he's renewing their faith. The second thing is he's releasing their shame. That first thing, renewing their faith. This is the first time I've really noticed this. I'm familiar with the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist, and around Christmas time, we, we read Luke, Luke 1 as it leads up to the birth of Jesus in Luke 2. I was familiar with their story, but I did not know this, that the names of Zechariah and Elizabeth, what they meant, that Zechariah, his name, get this, means God remembers, and that Elizabeth, her name means oath or promise. So remember the backdrop, 400 years of silence. Who does he start to work through? Who does he start to speak through? Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah, God remembers. Elizabeth promises. He starts to speak through. God remembers his promises. Zechariah and Elizabeth. That just in case anybody was doubting, God, it's been 400 years. God, we're, we're older in age and we still don't have a kid. In case anybody was doubting God, do you still love me? Are you still a good father? He takes away all doubt and says, I'm a God who remembers promises. Zechariah and Elizabeth, that's exactly what that means. Isn't God good? I think he could have come up with a lot of other names for these people. He could have worked and spoken for the first time after 400 years through a lot of other people, but he specifically speaks through God remembers his promises, Zechariah and Elizabeth. He renews their faith. He renews Zechariah's faith, even in the midst of his doubt. We get this kind of weird moment. Did you see that? Where God shuts Zechariah's mouth because he doubts God. He doesn't believe. Even though there's an angel that shows up, he doesn't believe God can bring a kid through him and his wife. And the angel shuts his mouth, and he's mute. You think, well, why does he do that? Well, sometimes in the midst of our doubt, all we want to do is talk and ramble on about how we don't understand masks and vaccines. And we don't understand, God, why haven't you shown up in a while? Why haven't you provided the spouse for me? I mean, everybody else seems like they have a spouse. 
Sometimes we wonder financially. I mean, everybody else seems fine during this pandemic. I still can't get a job. I mean, everybody else, like parents, they seem to handle online schools like pro, like pros. I mean, their kids are just so great, and they're learning all these things, and yet my kids are running around the living room with their pajamas on at 1 p.m. This is hypothetically not true for me at all, but I'm just, you know, I heard parents feel this way. And we start to wonder, and we start to doubt, and we just, we start to talk about that doubt. And sometimes God needs to close our mouth so we can open our ears, so we can stop looking at all our circumstances, and so we can start listening to him and his promises and who he is and his very character and nature and his person and his work and his purpose and his plan for our lives. So he does that for Zechariah. Guess what happens? As soon as Zechariah can speak, he doesn't speak, he sings. His faith has been renewed. God wants to renew your faith. Whatever way you doubt right now, in 2020 pandemic and all the things, some of you again are, I'm looking out and seeing college students, some of you are just like, I mean, how's this semester gonna look? What's next semester gonna look like? God, this was supposed to be like college. Listen, my college was the best experience of my life and some of you went into college. GCU gave you a free flight and it was warm and sunny here and they're expanding and building all these new buildings. They're like, this is what I'm talking about. This is gonna be fantastic. My older brother went to college. I've seen all these movies about college. College is gonna be so great. And then you showed up to college and had to wear a mask and half your friends are online and that girl you want to date's online. So you can't conveniently run into her in between classes. Just, again, pro tip, that's what I do with my wife. And it worked out 14 years later, right? And some of you are like, God, what are you doing in my job, in my school, with my kids, in my relationships? And some of you have some doubt in your life. And you're here this morning because God wants to renew your faith. Through Zechariah and Elizabeth, God remembers his promises. He always does. After 400 years, after a semester that you'll never experience again, you've never experienced before, after financial difficulty, about the, after the weirdest election we've ever had in our, in our history as a country, God's reminding all of us, God remembers his promises, renew your faith. Close your mouth, start listening to him. Second thing, last thing, is God's, what is God doing through the waiting? He's releasing shame. He's renewing faith. He's releasing shame. Look at verse 25. It says, God takes away the reproach of Elizabeth. That word reproach means shame or accusation. We see it with pastors in 1 Timothy 3, that pastors should be above reproach, that no one can bring an accusation. No one can be, uh, bring shame upon you. That's what reproach means. And, and Elizabeth, before she even has John the Baptist, she says, just the promise, just the hope of him has taken away my shame. See, here's the beauty of the gospel. Here's the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just that God takes away your sin. It's that he takes away the sin that's been done to you. And as a pastor, as I talk to people in this year amidst the quarantine and all these things where people have had to reflect on things and distractions have been removed, What's welling up for people, and a lot of people, is shame. That that thing that happened when you were a kid, that you tried to push back to the back burner, you tried to forget about, it's coming back up in 2020. 
that that conflict you had with your spouse that you thought we talked about and thought we kind of just moved on and streamed some shows on Netflix and, and got busy with the kids again or whatever the case may be, and we thought we moved on in 2020, starting to pop back up. And you see it, don't you? I mean, antidepressants, all-time high prescriptions. Again, as a pastor, I meet with more people than I ever have in all of my time in ministry who are just struggling day by day. We see suicide on the rise. We see marriage counseling on the rise. Why? Because all of those things that you pushed down, they were shameful in your life, things not just that you did, but things that people did to you, that all those things, 2020 is bringing them back up. And they're starting to rise. Listen, here's the beauty of the gospel. Here's the beauty of confident expectation, the hope we have in Jesus Christ. He releases us, not just from the sins you've committed, but the ones that were committed against you. He takes away the shame. And do you notice he does it in the waiting? John's not here yet. She hasn't had the baby yet. He does it before. She says, you have released my shame because I have this confident expectation in God. God wants to renew your faith this morning. He wants to release you from shame. Which category are you in? I think if we're honest, a lot of us are in both. Like, God, I could, I could use some faith being renewed in my life. I have some doubt in 2020. I need that. Some of us can relate to Zechariah. Some of us can relate better to Elizabeth. And we can think of specifically sins that we've committed and sins that have been committed against us. You're like, God, if you could, if you could bring some hope and you could take away the shame, it's weighing me down. Which one are you today? Are you Zechariah, Zechariah, are you Elizabeth, are you both? God wants to renew your faith. God wants to take away your shame. Not after the waiting is over, in the midst of the waiting. That's what he's doing. What are you doing? How are you responding? Don't waste your waiting. God wants to do an impactful work, not just in you, through your waiting, but through you. That's what he did for Zechariah and Elizabeth. That's what he wants to do for you. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I do thank you for even the waiting. God, I thank you that you work in the waiting. That the people who are watching this right now in the room, at home, God, we're all waiting. We're all waiting for things to resolve. We're all waiting for a pandemic to end. We're all waiting for that relationship to be restored. We're all waiting for something. And God, may we not miss the waiting. May we not waste the waiting. But may we look to you and see how you're working in the waiting. And see how you want to work specifically in our lives. Right now, in December of 2020, not just when a new year comes, not just when a vaccine comes, but right now. God, I pray that you would show us, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth, you would show us how you want to renew our faith, how you want to release us from shame right now, and that we can have a confident expectation in Jesus Christ that he will do that because he's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, that while we may see just now, he sees everything. God, you see where you're trying to take us. May you reveal that to us. May you form us in the midst of the waiting. We pray that you would do that now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.